loud, bass-heavy music fills the once-abandoned warehouse, now known as Club Violet. The scent of cloves and tobacco hangs in the air. Out front, the bouncers keep order as the long queue eagerly waits to enter. Strobe lights cut through the room, where LA's counterculture stomps, sways, and swoons to the newest sounds. Twisty stairs lead up to another smaller room, where the DJ plies his craft, and VIPs sit in curtain seclusion, away from the chest-pounding audio assaulting the dance floor. The back door on the first floor leads out onto a patio, surrounded by a tall wooden fence, with benches and flower-filled planters, creating hidden corners where clubgoers can smoke and gossip in semi-privacy. Good evening, and welcome to the stream. Everybody say hello. Hello. Hello, guys. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Tonight, we continue our story in the world of darkness with episode two of Vampire the Masquerade's starter pack, The New Blood. As a warning... Vampire contains graphic descriptions of death, physical violence, including use of guns, claws, biting, stalking, gore, marsh blood drinking, as well as references to drug and alcohol use. Vampires are predators, heirs of an ageless condition, and driven by supernatural forces they struggle to control. One overwhelming fact defines their existence. To survive, they require blood. In most cases, taking blood involves hurting somebody, maybe even killing them. No matter how virtuous a vampire may be on the evening of their embrace, they quickly understand their long-term survival requires constant compromise between ethics and practicality. Vampire the Masquerade explores those moral compromises. How far will a character go for survival? For success? The deceit and violence of a vampire is willing to engage in and the people they're willing to hurt and betray is where we find the true horror. It's about sacrificing one's humanity bit by bit until nothing remains but a monster. Thus, viewers should prepare themselves to watch us explore themes of violence, desperation, and possibly exploitation. If any viewer finds the story going in an uncomfortable direction, they should stop, navigate away, and find something else to occupy their time. Viewer discretion is advised. We'd like to thank Molten Hosting as our official Foundry VTT hosting solution, whose Molten service hosting. is so Molten. hot, you'll never catch frostbite. Oh, frostbite. <laughs> That's a stretch. If you want to check out some of the games we've been taking a look at but don't want to worry about self-hosting, then check out moltenhosting.com for your very own Foundry turnkey solution. Or, if you're looking to revamp your game, be sure to use the code RECALLKNOWLEDGE at checkout, where new subscribers can get their first month free. And before we jump back into the game, let's have our players introduce their characters and themselves, starting with Nina. Hello, my name is Nina. I play Alex Padilla. She is a, I have a height now, a 5'7", uh, Mexican-American woman who was recently embraced and found herself uh, with this group. Uh, she's very ambitious as well. 
and doesn't necessarily and thinks that choosing violence is childish. So for the most part, she tries to be as diplomatic as she can. Thanks, Nina. Steve. Howdy. My name's Blake. I'm uh, I'm just a good old Midwest Midwestern boy who has been down in his luck in in recent years. I uh, yeah, I've had a rough couple of times. I used to be on TV. You might recognize me from the morning, the six a.m. morning sports broadcast, the most coveted of television slots. <laughs> but uh, yeah, ever since uh, my, me and my editor didn't see eye to eye, I've I've had a rough few years but that's all turned around now because look who's back on top blake now that i found my my reality matching my personal feelings about myself right i've always had an elevated opinion of myself uh and now that that i have abilities that mere mortals would covet i'm uh i'm looking forward to getting some comeuppance for those who've wronged me in the past. Nice. Thanks, Steve. Mike, you're up next. All right. I am Mike. I am playing Marsh. Uh, you see you see Marsh sitting there. He, some of you may know him as a champion MMA fight cage fighter uh, who retired after getting kind of older and hurt. Still very muscular, very still well shaped. You can tell Still very strong, um, but you know his clothes are pretty well tattered, um, kind of raggedy, and he wears a uh, a mask over most of his face. Murderer. <laughs> <laughs> and in case you missed, he did kind of give in, couldn't stop getting the blood, and uh, accidentally killed somebody. Not intentional. Um, but my hunger is good now, so I like it. <laughs> it sure is. And last but not least, Richard. Hi, everyone. My name is Richard. I'm playing Sam Araneta. He has a last name now. Uh, he is a half Filipino, half Irish American, around 25 years old. Just got back from his second tour uh, in Iraq. And he finds himself newly embraced and in this situation. And uh, not sure what he's going to do with this hunger. He's very conflicted with everything that's going on. The death of his cousin at the hands of Marsh. The whole turn of events. But uh, he has a real thirst for knowledge. That is his driving factor. So, Well played. I mean, on the one hand, your cousin, it, it was just Parker. It wasn't like anyone important yes. Parker we all knew Parker I mean I thought he died in prison anyway <laughs> that's about right as the camera fades in looking down from the VIP area of Club Violet we see a throng of party goers mashed together on the dance floor their sweat causes their clothing to stick tightly to their bodies their heartbeats echo in the ears of our new vampires as the camera pans around the room, we find Blake sitting in, a VIP, in the VIP area he has secured with the curtain drawn back, and Alex 
just now arriving with her new friend. The camera turns once again, and we see a glimpse of, Mar glimpse of Marsh heading up the stairs on his way to enjoy his newfound companions before continuing past the throng of answers, dancers who crowd the floor and lands on Sam in the corner with his new friend. In the midst of this warehouse rave, someplace on the west side of Los Angeles in an old industrial complex, the scene is yours. Hey, Blake! I like, I'm like pulling the curtain open so you guys can come in. Like, a howdy. Oh, I take the, the woman's hand, the young woman you brought, and kiss her hand as you guys come into the VIP section. I raise my eyebrow and look at the lady that I brought and I ask, are you having a good time? Yeah. All right, Joel, just come in. Uh, just come with me. This is Blake, by the way, but you can ignore him. And then we can, and then I'll, <laughs> I'll lead her to the corner. And then I'll ladies, look for the waiter. I just like to watch. I Does Blake have you. a fedora? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, but while we walk to the corner, I'll also be looking around uh, the bar for Sam. So as you walk along towards the corner, it's almost a raised walkway where these tables have been set up um, in this abandoned warehouse that at one point you could probably picture a foreman overlooking people packing boxes into semis and applying their trade somewhere and you look over the corner why don't you give me a investigation check to see if you can find sam in the throng of bodies down on the first floor dance floor that'll be intelligence plus investigation difficulty i'm gonna say well sam are you trying to not be seen are you trying to be more conspicuous or inconspicuous no, not right now. I think right now the my uh, lady friend has just brought me inside and we're dancing. I don't know how far she brought me in, but I'm not trying to not be seen. So Okay. Two. Two. That would be three successes. Three successes. Yeah, you see, you're looking down and you see the patio opening and you see this... Um, not really young woman, maybe late 20s, early 30s, mm -hmm. taking Sam by the hand and moving back in towards the dance floor. I kind of chuckle to myself a little bit and then put my attention back on my new lady friend. Just entertain her and impress her with all the stuff that I'm going to be ordering from the waiter. Speaking of... Joey returns to your area, Blake, as Alex is moving off. And he's like, so what can I get you? And he's got his three or four different bottles and some cups of water he's taking to one of the other booth, but, booths, but he wants to make sure that he stops by and make sure you're taken care of one way or another. Uh, yeah, uh... Well, my friends are going to be joining me shortly. They're enjoying themselves on the dance floor right now. Uh, except for Alex. Uh, I've lost her. She's around here somewhere. Uh, personally, I could use two things, Joey. 
one, I could really use a Perrier. And two, you guys, can you come here? I don't want, I, I don't really don't want anyone to hear this. And I try to pull him in, in close. He sits, he sits down so he doesn't have to stand up and he kind of scoots across the plastic felt bench. Okay. I'll put my hand. Yeah. I put my hand on his like right shoulder and I lean in right towards his left shoulder opposite my hand. And I just whisper into his ear. And I say, I could kill for some earplugs right around now. I don't know what to tell you. I can get you some bottle caps, but earplugs are probably going to be hard to come by around here. I mean, it's pretty much what everybody's here for. Look at all these people. Isn't it amazing? This is such a vibe. Yes, it's a lot. All right. Well, Perrier then. And... If you have like a drink menu or something, perhaps you could leave it and I can look it over. Oh, certainly pulls it off the top his quick printed marketing material and puts it on your what looks like a old tablecloth, um, dark in color, uh, slides it across and says, all right, I'll be back in a little while. As Joey heads off back to the makeshift bar on the first floor he passes marsh on the stairs hey uh you know where blake's at yeah he's back up there you can't miss him right. he's the old guy hey can you uh can you bring me a can you bring me a guinness doubt on your way back a beer okay yeah no not just a beer <laughs> guinness guinness doubt buddy not a problem all right, man. Or any dark beer. All right. Cool, man. Thanks. Okay. I'll bring you a beer. All right. All right. I continue up to go find Blake. And as you make your way up onto the second story, you pass the DJ booth that's surrounded in soundproof glass so he doesn't hear the just thumping, pounding of this warehouse party and the music within. And you see Blake on the left and... You probably get a glimpse of Alex as she's moving down towards the corner of the second uh, second floor walkway. And as you look to Blake to your left and back to the right where all the people are dancing, you get a glimpse of Sam. What is Sam doing? Uh, he's, I mean, he let his... Uh his new friend take the lead for a while and then uh, just starts dancing with her, probably getting a little little bit of hot and heavy closer and closer. Um, just kind of vibing to the music for a while before he starts feeling that hunger again. Mm-hmm. Especially with kind of the, the thumping of the beat and then the thumping of the of her pulse and the pulses around him. Mm-hmm. And it's just he just feels this pulse thump 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 and he leans in and says you wanna you wanna have another smoke sure come on uh, yeah let's find try to find somewhere quiet I mean we can go out front or go around the corner no there was some there was some places on the patio okay yeah not a problem 
follow me. And she again leads you out like with a practiced hand out the back door to her, well, at least weekend stomping grounds away from her desk day job. And uh, you said that like there was a lot of like corners meant for like privacy out here, right? Yep. So I'm going to, I'm going to find one like probably with like a bench so I could sit next to her. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we sit down, I'm going to kind of like move her hair and just start kissing her neck. And as you do, you glance across at the next bench and you see somebody there and he's almost adopted the same pose that you have on his partner. And you see the flash of red eyes briefly as he grins and then puts his head back down into the nape of his newfound partner's neck. Now feeling that pulse right on my lips now, on her jugular. I'm going to take her and look her in the eyes and use compel. Say, just stay quiet. All right, go ahead and make, uh, what is the compel? Is it, yeah, roll six dice against her wits and resolve, which is, I'm going to take two. So I'm going to take half of what her standard self, two difficulty, two successes. She's like, we just met, but all right. And uh, I'm going to go back into her neck. Take a deep breath. Well, not even though I don't need to breathe. Just take inhaling that scent, especially probably the fresh blood that I can smell across from me. And then my mind flashes back to seeing Parker's lifeless eyes. And I push away and I try to use compel again. And I tell her, you're tired. Go home. Roll a compel check. She's kind of put off, so I'm going to say it's a three difficulty. Three successes. She's like, yeah, I got to work on the weekend. Oh. Can I get your number or something? To your, you know. If Well, maybe we'll see see each other. <laughs> uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll see you here next time. Okay. And as she gets up and she starts heading through the throng of dancers, heading out towards the door, you see her catching eyes of other young men and women and smiling and as she leaves and she heads out the exit where you spot the bouncers who let you in earlier in the evening, let some more people in as some people, some of the people exit. And you look up and you briefly catch a glimpse of Alex and her friend sitting in a, standing in a dark secluded corner. It's like, okay, uh, what's, nothing really looks exciting up here. No, it's not about the view, it's about us. So, and then, so, Alex likes a challenge. So instead of just going in immediately to feed, she'll actually kind of masoch- 
artistically like push herself to where she wants to be on that edge wherein she can't take the hunger anymore so she'll she'll put herself in situations wherein like she'll brush her lips or she'll brush her nose on the pulse points of her neck of her wrists um and when her lady friend i forgot her name when her lady friend gets comfortable enough she'll actually go in and escalate the situation a little bit more to the point wherein man this is like this is r18 right like no children are gonna watch this anyway warning <laughs> you so, already warned anyway, everybody yeah so um so uh she'll escalate things and then she'll start making out with uh, her new lady friend but instead of going for the easy way and just biting onto her neck she'll slowly make herself she'll slowly like get lower onto her body and then to the point wherein she gets off the chair kneels in front of her spreads her legs a little bit more and then goes for the femoral but just like lightly kiss the inner the inner thigh for a little bit and then um, goes for the femoral artery that's just right there. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, but while doing that though, she'll make sure that her lady friend doesn't drink because like she, she can have the, the first two uh, glasses that she had earlier, but she doesn't want her drunk mm -hmm. because she just has a feeling that it would, you know, affect the taste of the blood a little bit. Well, when you first met, you realized she was either drinking something, smoking something, or had taken and ingested something. But that was it, so though. So she's she... a little... Yeah, she's... Yeah. She's but... not sloppy. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was it. She didn't allow her to... Yeah, she, she probably at some point compelled her to not take or drink any more and just focus on their time right now um she would also like while while feeding like she'll also want to push her lady friend to the edge of like life and death <laughs> although she has no idea when to figure out when to stop but when she feels that her pulse is starting to slow down and she's not, you know, like reacting anymore or making sounds. Or she passes That's when out. she pulls out. Yeah. <laughs> That's when she'll pull out. Speaking of scary. drinking, <laughs> Joy returns with some kind of swill, dark beer, and puts it on the table along with a Perrier and waits patiently for his tip. Joey, um... Me and Marsh are just having a bit of a disagreement. Maybe you can help us uh, answer a little question, if you will. You see, I'm working on a screenplay. Uh, it's a... Uh... Are you a writer? Well, aspiring writer, <laughs> of course. Although... Do you have anything out that I might know? Well, are you into MMA at all? No, I don't do sports ball. Right. So 
currently I'm more of a sports writer than anything else. In fact, this this here is Marsh, famous MMA legend. Is he picking up the tip? <laughs> listen, listen. You can earn your tip. Because I we have we have a little debate going. Now, Joey, if if you were forced into a position where you had to kill someone or potentially hurt somebody very bad, how would you choose who deserved it? I mean, would you just hurt somebody that was already dying or, you know, a really bad person? Like maybe somebody who doesn't tip? Well, definitely the person who doesn't tip gets, you know, gets it first. No matter how sick or old or dying they might already be, you know, tipping is super important to me. So are you picking up the tap? I, I look at Marsh and I look back at Joey. Yeah. Tabs on me tonight. Two dollars for the beer and Perrier. Wow, that's a good deal. Thanks, thanks, uh, Blake. It pays to be that. in the VIP section. I open up my wallet. Um, I believe I have about fifty dollars in there. So yep. I'll slip him ten for now. I won't let go of the 10 as he tries to take it. I'll lean in again and just say, maybe you can bring us somebody interesting. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you like? Much like our last discussion, I'll let you choose. And I'll let the, I'll let the $10 go. All right, I'll be right back. And he heads out down back to find somebody or something as this frosty, ice-cold beer sits in front of Marsh. Yeah. And it's just been paid for by Blake. I, I mean, got the beer. Blake kind of tip it to his uh, Perrier. Thanks, man. <laughs> so, Marsh... Can I ask you something personal? You usually do. I saw you... I saw you end Parker, so to speak, right? Yeah, man, it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't intentional, man. It's like the first time feeding. I didn't even realize... Like, I, I just thought I could stop, you know? You just take a little blood and stop, and next thing you know, I... Don't even know what happened. Just, just was that uh, was that your first time ever killing somebody? I mean, look, we're in this together now. You don't have to be ashamed. Whatever happened in our last life, that was then, right? If I've killed anybody, you know, I did some bad things when I retired. You know, make some money. And say that I didn't kill anybody, but not knowing like they were alive when I left. Now, you know, definitely put some people in the hospital and somebody could have died. 
but they were always alive when I left. So this maybe was barely, but uh, time. This, this like was my, in, yeah, yep. What did it feel like at the time of feeding? It felt great. Hunger goes away. The just you just have this energy. The it was a rush. It was probably one of the highest rushes I've ever had. Even better than winning one of the, my best fights. But when it all settled down, and I, you know, see the you know, saw poor Parker laying there dead, and knowing that he was even related to Sam hadn't done anything to me uh, you know it wasn't a job it didn't feel good kind of yeah but I'm kind of on both sides you know and you see like Blake's like looking out over this like huge throng of people on the dance floor he's just like listening to you Marsh but he's just looking at like all the people and and he just kind of says we're kind of like gods now aren't we like we we could we could end anyone. We kind of hold their fate in our hands, don't we? We do. Yeah, it's kind of a I don't know. It's kind of a kind of a cool feeling. I'll smile. Whoever Joey brings, there's a chance. I I might not be able to stop myself from. Uh, killing them but uh truthfully i'm not really sure i wanna stop that is interesting hmm. we'll see I so know. ever since that happened to park well the, D the dj comes on and says whoever's alarms going off in the parking lot can you turn it off <laughs> <laughs> just kidding and he's he uh <clears throat> you feel even after that happened with Parker, and, and it's from a mechanical standpoint from Vampire, there are what, are what are called stains and humanity. And if you end up doing what you did, Marsh, you'll end up losing a point of your humanity. And the lower that gets, the more monster-like you become. Okay. And you lose, you slowly start to use, lose yourself over time and end up just being the beast. All right. Well, Blake, if you uh, want me to keep an eye and try to stop you, if they, if it looks like they're going to die, I'm more than happy. If you just want to see how you can do it or end their life, it's your call, man. So let me know if there's anything I can do. I, I nod, but I'm just looking at like the the people and like even in here right because you said uh that it's it's kind of soundproofed up here and so we probably hear the music a little bit right like marsh can probably hear a it. little bit a little bit right but there's just like this this weird discomfort on my face on blake's face marsh that you notice like even even in this sort of setting like the music is too much for blake's ears and it's getting to him it's starting to to he's having a hard time in this space, so to speak. Gotcha. You'd probably notice that. And as Blake has the look on his face, like he really doesn't like this music, more into Diamond and Manilow. 
Sam, on the other hand, is down amongst the throng of sweaty young bodies and the assault on his senses from the music as he watches his new friend head out the front door and head for home. He looks around and... I think he's just... I need to get away from all these people. The fresh smell of blood coming from outside. And uh, seeing that Alex was upstairs and not seeing anyone else, he's probably going to head upstairs to see where everyone's at. As you make your way past Joey as he's coming down with a smile on his face, you head up past the relatively sound roof DJ booth and you find Marsh with a chilled beer in his hand and opposite him sits Blake with a uncomfortable look on his face and you see Alex approach from the walkway you can go ahead and lower your hunger by one down to one if you are uh, already at one it will stay at one Marsh! I am so sorry. I did not mean to leave you there. I just got really excited. Oh, no. No. It's, it's, it's cool. No, it's no, cool. no. It's not. It's It was very rude of me. I'm not rude to people that I just met, you know? And then I actually lead the lady off and then just forget about her when she leaves the VIP room. Nah, nah it's, it's cool. I, I I see. I see what uh, I see what you did. It's, it's, uh, it's understandable. No, no, don't. I'll make it up to you. Not tonight, maybe. Maybe tonight. Who knows? But eventually. Sounds good. I owe you one. That was very rude of me. I just haven't been around this music in a long time. I just freaking walked in, man. It was just like bumping. I know. It got really exciting, right? This DJ is awesome. I see uh, you still uh, dive into things head first, Alex. It's the only way, right? No use being very cautious. Right, Sam? Let's see. How are you mm-hmm. feeling, Alex? Like, uh, you were able to stop? Like, you could control it? Well, it was a... It was catch and go there for a little bit, but I don't know. I'm not sure if you guys experienced it too, but... You can kind of feel their pulse when you're feeding off of them. And when it was starting to fade out a little bit, I decided to stop. That's my next feeding. I got to uh, I got to be more in tune with that. So. What are you laughing about, Sam? I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was just thinking the one positive out of all this might be getting to see you actually lose control for once. <laughs> Never. Uh, I mean, how long have you been with my cousin for? You've never seen that. And she's done crazy shit. We, uh... We, um... She couldn't handle another tour, she said, before I left, so... No shit. Yeah. Huh. Should I say, what do you want me to say? Sorry or congratulations? <laughs> uh, at this point, I, does it really matter? Mm. 
Well... You know, I still find it very interesting that we are so interconnected, despite not really knowing each other. Still thinking somebody's been playing games with us for some time. Yeah, it's too much of a coincidence. Even with Parker being there? Come on. Like, what are the chances? I mean, I've heard of six degrees separation. Have you guys ever heard of that? Yeah. I've yeah. heard of six degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> that too. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I this mean, is too much of a, I mean, there's no such thing as coincidences, right? This is too much of a coincidence. Right. And you want to talk about coincidences. Marcus just happens to show up at the right time, at the right place. Yeah. The minute we're walking out, yeah, that's, uh, I agree with that. Something's, something's, yeah, something's just not right. Wait, do you think they would have put us in the situ in a situation where we would be watched by people that are hunting us? That were yeah. hunting us? Maybe I mean, we were never being hunted. Maybe this is part of... Like a propaganda type of... Maybe they're the ones well, that turned us and I mean, maybe Marcus is working with these what did he call them again? Second Inquisition. The Second Inquisition. Maybe Marcus Ooh. is actually in charge of the Second Inquisition. This is some sort of test? I don't know. I get the feeling if the Second Inquisition really is about destroying vampires, I don't think they would uh, tolerate one working for them or with them. True. I mean, do we know for sure that Marcus is? I mean, he did say that he showed us his they... fangs. I mean, let's. Did you did you get the urge to want to eat him when we met him? No? no. I, I had not. just I had just fed, so I I'm probably not good to ask that question. I give Marsh a very pointed look. Like not here. Sorry, Sam. It's Blood under the bridge. Now look, all I'm saying is Tomorrow we go in with our eyes wide open. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not sure I trust Marcus, but shouldn't. He's exactly. But uh, I, I I still think we need to see this through. You know, reckon he's the closest thing we got to a ally I don't think people put us in a meat freezer intending us good things so seeing this through means staying alive and I plan on staying alive well unlike, I don't know whatever the hell we are now yeah, and like how do you die if you're dead like what do you call that it's a good point can we die I personally don't want to test that theory out yet. I think that we've already been through it. In theory, it sounds painful the way we got here. Glad I don't remember any. 
instinctively rub my like chest right over the heart. Do I have a scar or anything? Have you looked? Well, right now I'm feeling right. So like as I feel, I want to like put my hand like under my shirt and just rub like right where my heart would be. You do not have a scar there. So no one else remembers how they got to that point where we ended up in that freezer. Oh, like I told oh. you guys before, I just remember somebody who I had, it was a job, but I, I beat him almost to death. Um, and I felt somebody grab me. And then when I looked up, he was putting a stake through me. It was that same person. That's the last I remember. So yeah. you were already turned at that point. Well, you know, stake in the heart usually would kill someone. I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's all I remember. I don't even know if it's accurate or what that means. Uh, I don't remember being turned before, but all I can remember that face. But I, I kind of wanted to circle back to something that kind of got thrown by the wayside. Alex, Alex, dear, and I'll I'll kind of meander my way over and dear. sit, sit dear. right next to Alex. Uh huh. Yes. If I heard you correct, you said that you wanted to be there in that freezer with us. You you made the choice to be there. Is that correct? My memory could be hazy, but I do remember that what we are right now, what I am right now, was offered to me as a choice. And when it was offered to me, I took advantage of the opportunity. When I found myself in the meat freezer, I thought that was part of the deal. Given how, when I even, given how when I first heard it from the person that offered every bit of this to me, it sounded crazy. So I just thought that it was part of the crazy. Now, this that's interesting to me because, and I'll look over at like Sam and Marsh, like, I know I didn't make a choice. Sam? So you were, you were forced to be a vampire? A kindred? Well, let's just say I was made an offer I couldn't refuse. Exactly the same as me. You know how, like, you can kind of look into Parker's eyes and, like, a blob of Play-Doh mold him to do whatever we wanted? Ah... I feel like it was kind of the same. Well, that's more than me. I uh, I wasn't made any offer. Any choice? Did uh, the person who offered this to you, Alex? They know a lot about you more than normal. 
I think, I think they just, I think they chose me because of the circumstance that I was in the night that they offered me this choice. Um, <laughs> I wasn't the best uh, the night this happened. So without delving too much into that, when I was given this option, I chose it because it was definitely better than what I was facing that time. Look, when I was in Iraq, the only reason I survived was because of my squad. I feel like we're each other's squad now, whether we like it or not, so... I think we have to trust each other, yeah? We're gonna make it out of this... unalive, I guess? Yeah. There's gotta be a I... better word for that, right? <laughs> Look, I'm trying here, alright? I get what you're saying, though. I agree. When... I was given a message about some information that I've been seeking. And when I went to this bookstore... It was just hundreds of pictures and information about me. My whole life. Pictures of me before I joined up. Pictures of me in Iraq. Pictures of me when I got home recently. Information. I didn't know what make heads or tails of this and then I heard a voice saying that they'd been watching me and I died at least I think I died I think for us to be what we are right now we, we had to die yeah that's what point. I'm thinking too but I was targeted and turned for a purpose? I don't know. I mean, maybe they saw your skill set while you were out on tour. Well, I never got a chance to ask him because shortly after that, they said to wait in the room. They left quickly and bullets started flying. Next thing I knew, I got rid of as much of the information on myself as I could in that room while waiting, tried to leave, found myself with a stake in my heart. That's the last thing I remember. You know, our stories are not dissimilar with the bullets and all that. Definitely all three got stakes in our hearts. Yeah, that was not... not. I would say that would, would have been the most unpleasant experience I've ever had, except, you know, I had just actually died. So... Yeah, but 
that death was like an excruciatingly beautiful experience. I mean, I don't know. I, I think of it less of a death and more of a birth. Yes, that's your perspective. I've seen enough death. Um, it's kind of like looking around like, man, I, I ordered the chef special and it's taken a while. And you see Joey coming with his latest rounds of drinks. Got a couple of his friends in tow. And he's like, yeah, this guy right here, the old one. These are my friends. And they're like, hey, what's your name? And Joey moves on. How many of his friends did he bring? Two. Two, okay. Can you give me a brief description of what they might look like? Yeah, they're they're uh, two young men wearing dark clothing, long trench coats, not as well fashion is fashionable as Sam's, but uh, they like it to be so. They've got their Doc Martens polished in their their old jeans, cuffed at the cuffed at the ankle, uh, hair slicked, dark dyed dark black, and some eyeliner. They're Everybody here has definitely been either drinking, smoking, or taking some kind of pill. So, I'll invite him into our space, right? And just kind of give him the quick introduction like, uh, howdy, th- this is Sam and Marge and Alex. Uh, we're really interested in just, you know, I told Joey to bring me the most interesting people he knew. And here you are. Smile and look at each other. Awesome. I'm Justin. Hey, and Justin. this is Jesse. Hey, Jesse. My name's Blake. I mean, perhaps you recognize me from TV. Were you on, like, The Bachelor or something? Well, uh, yes. Yes, I was. Season three. Well, that was a long time ago. Well, still coasting on my 15 minutes. Uh, Come sit real quick. And uh, I'll like kind of motion for them to like join the couch and stuff. And the look as they kind of go past me and I give you guys is like an eyebrow up sort of like game on sort of situation. Marsh looks at Sam. Hey, Sam, have you fed yet? I, I know you don't want to, but you don't have, I mean, you're going to have to, um, why don't you go ahead and why don't you go over there with Blake? I'll deal with that when it comes, Marsh. All right, man. I just want to make sure you know I have your back. Sam just doesn't say anything and walks the other side of the room. So Marsh, that what's happened to that beer? Kind of nursing it. He's nursing it. He's been doing it over the last several minutes as you guys are, you know, having this conversation. And suddenly he just vomits 
all over the table. Ah, oh, man. One beer. Justin, Jesse, you're like, oh, oh my God. Dude. Is your friend okay? He looks kind of sick. Yeah. No, he's fine. He's fine. Yeah, fine. But I think this beer is bad, man. What did your friend bring me? What freaking beer is this? I don't know. He just said, come with me. And I, I don't know. Like, he lets us, he gets us in free. You know, we get to, you know, have, have some of the good stuff. I'll, uh, I'll go over to where, like, the glass is. Like, the, it's still f mostly full, I guess. I don't know. I'll pick up the sort of, like, uh, Guinness dark beer, whatever it is, and I give it, like, a sniff. And just kind of pull away like, oh, rancid. And I'll slam it down really hard on the table. Hard enough that I want to try to like shatter the glass so there's like broken glass kind of in the middle of our space. I'm not even going to make you roll for it. Okay. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I'll like, it spilled on me. So I'm like, oh, shit. And I'm trying to like brush it off a little bit. And then... um what I'm trying to do is basically use this as cover and sort of pick up a shard of glass. Okay. You know, the, the glass breaks and you bend down to, to pick up some glasses and Joy comes over quickly and he's like trying to pile it on his tray and he's like, are you okay? Is everything... Oh my God, what is that smell? <laughs> oh... You brought Marsh here. Marsh, are you doing okay? Uh, man, that was some... I don't know, man. I think that beer was bad. I mean, it's the only beer we got. It's what everybody's drinking, and nobody else has been throwing up. Oh, my Listen, God. Like I expect a certain quality drink when I pay $1 for a beer, okay? <laughs> uh, so does Marsh... Is, he, is Marsh feeling the fact that, you know, that other than blood, I can't, he's not going to be able to hold anything down? You are. Yeah. Yep. You realize you probably can't eat or drink anything other than blood. Yep. Um, while, while Joey's picking up and talking with Marsh and everyone's kind of distracted, I kind of want to go over and kind of like position myself right behind... Justin and Jesse. Mm -hmm. And you guys can see I'm holding that like little bit of glass in my finger and I'm kind of like doing a, you know, over their heads, sort of like a eeny, meeny, miny, mo thing. Going back and forth between the two. And you say I stop right over Jesse. And I'll lean in to his ear and tell him, quiet, as I like take the shard of glass and kind of run it right down his, like probably right across his forehead, draw the most blood I can with the smallest cut. And I try to compel him to be quiet, or I guess, is it compel as much as it's, I guess I don't have compel, I have... I just have a persuade. Yep, you can persuade with awe if you like, or you can intimidate with daunt. 
Yeah, is that that's different than like being able to force someone to do something, or it's just I just have a presence about me, or what? Correct. So it's I can't I can't compel him to like. It is supernatural, but yeah. In this case, because I want him to be scared, I think it makes more sense to be an intimidate, even though I'm worse at it. Okay. Go ahead and roll your intimidate with daunt on your discipline section. Difficulty is going to be three because Marsh threw up on everybody. <laughs> Sorry. Four successes. Ooh, nice. Damn. And he's like kind of eyes wide open. Scared a bit. As you he grits his teeth as you pierce his skin with his sharp just shallow enough. Glass. But I want to draw a sizable amount of blood, right? Yeah, well any head wound's gonna Yeah, exactly. That's why bad. I pick that's why I pick right there. And then um so then you just watch as Blake takes a big inhale of that blood, right? The fresh blood in his nostrils and sort of like just licks very gingerly on the edge of the glass where the blood might be. And I'm trying to gauge everyone else's reaction and Jesse, Joey, and uh, Justin. What they're thinking. Joey stands up with a knowing smile and exits the room with his glass. J Justin's like, what, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, that's my brother. Ah. Uh. Just having a little fun. Joey. Joey said you'd be interested. I mean, Jesse always comes to these freaky shit and uh, this is like the first time I've gone with him. Is this what happens all the time, Jess Jesse? And Jesse's like, just shut up. Wait till I tell mom. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now, there's no need to fight. There's plenty to go around. And I'll smile at Justin. I'm, we need to go. <laughs> we need to, we need to. Jesse, come on, let's go. And he grabs on his shirt and is gonna like try to pull him out of the booth. Sam's gonna stop Justin. Just stop him from leaving and look at Blake and say, enough with this just get it done with before we cause a scene Justin's still gonna try to pull his 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 brother out of the booth I'm gonna push him into the booth into the seat then uh, okay give me a strength plus brawl strength plus brawl fantastic we'll see how good this is <laughs> <laughs> What's two a successes, successes nice. and a possible bestial failure oh, oh, break his neck oh. well he succeeded I didn't give him the difficulty the difficulty was going to be two so okay. the bestial failure is is um, ignored on a success oh, okay imagine yeah, okay. So the, the reason why Marsh had happened what he happened is because he got a messy critical that's critical and yeah. he succeeds mm. but the beast overtook him for for a moment, which made it a bit messy. Got it. But okay. you supernaturally push Justin aside, and I think um, he sits back, and, and Jesse's like, don't fight, man. It's, dude, 
I brought you here because you said you wanted to try this stuff. He said, but I didn't think people were going to just cut your face with a piece of glass. <laughs> and he's like, well, it normally doesn't happen. Fucking Blake. It's your lucky night, boys. Yeah. I think Marsh will come over to the other guy then and say, no, it doesn't usually happen like that. And uh, he'll just go in for the neck. Hungry. You go zero hunger. You're going to go in anyways? I'm going to go in because I want to practice what Alex had just told me, which was fill in the pulse. Like what happened to me last time, I want to learn how to control this. And I feel this is a very controlled situation without me being hungry. I should be able to not lose control so I can start practicing, not just outright killing people. Are you going for the one that got cut on the forehead or the one that Sam pushed down? No, the, the one that Sam pushed down there because, like okay. he said, he goes, this is how, you know, he was told this isn't got how it, it usually okay. happens. So I'm just going to go for the neck. Show cool. him how it usually happens. What happens if you feast it? No hunger. <laughs> Let's find out. I don't know. I don't think anything happens. This is more just practicing the control. So as you lean in you feel what Alex had mentioned to you and you take it slow you probably feel that because you were so hungry earlier in the day and it was just the beast overtaking you you calm yourself you felt that way in some of your MMA fights but you know that without technique and discipline you usually get your butt kicked but here you take it slow and methodical and you hear Justin kind of gasp and exhale and Jesse's like see I told you you keep him before you get him passing out Uh, typically mechanically you can have two vampires sate one hunger each per mortal so well, if anybody else wanted to tart, I'm, take it. I'm watching Marsh go for uh, Justin. I think it is over there, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. as I'm watching, as I'm watching this, and as just uh, just Jesse's over here, Tony's right. No, this was for right. Yeah, everybody's waiting for me to kill him. <laughs> I'm smiling and I'm licking my lips, and I, I'm watching him feed, and it's making. I'm tapping into that like primal instinct that up until now I have not actually unleashed, and I just go for uh, for Jesse's neck. Okay, and he's kind of leans away from you, um, not hit from his body, but at least his head, because um, he's been here, been to these clubs before. This is an obvious hunting ground. You've seen other kindred here, the doormen are kindred, and you can go ahead and mark off one hunger. Okay. Blake, stop himself. There's no, there's no uh, check for that. It's just, just marked off. Just marked off. The reason why um, Marsh had it because he was using his unseen passage to sneak up on or shadows or whatever it was. Yeah, you can choose to go all the way, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Marsh licks Marsh licks the wound on his neck as he was told to heal the wound. Yep, and his bite marks disappear. Look over at Alex. Alex, thank you for that. Disciplined and uh, yeah, I could feel that pulse and felt good to be able to control it. I think Blake, 
there's that moment right where he has to make that choice like is he going to kill this person is he going to take it all the way or is he going to restrain himself and I think he goes just a tad over maybe the minimum but before he allows himself to be completely taken over and just end this thing's life he pulls back and draws his fangs out and uh, lets Jesse live and as this happens some, the beast inside you squirms and calls it's late well early early in the morning uh, on your way here you pass through a few of the less savory and or industrial areas of the city you remember passing by an old art deco building that now serves as a local motel that rents rooms by the hour you figure you'll be able to get there relatively quickly on foot perhaps even rent a room for the night You're gonna lick those, Blake? Or are you gonna send this kid out bleeding on the dance floor? Bam. You can't be the only one going hungry. Worry about yourself, I'm fine. Burn. As I unconsciously like lick my lips, seeing the blood. Don't forget yeah. to lick that uh, cut that you did on his face, too. Not just your puncher ones, Blake. What the hell? Playing. Maybe we uh, we should get out of here. Yeah, we better Unless... get out of here before the sun comes up. Remember what we were told, man? It's a, about the only thing that can kill us, which I'm still surprised that none of the other stuff does. But yeah, let's get out of here. Sunlight and beer, apparently. Oh, man. Whatever you guys just... I guess our bodies can't handle anything other than blood. Now, wait a minute. Marcus said something really important. Something about a masquerade, right? Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to, like, openly talk about this sort of stuff, and yet... Well, you've openly talked about this stuff in front of our guests. If we let them leave, won't that come back on us? Oh, didn't you just hear the guests? They say that they do this all the time. Like, yeah, yeah. We're not the first ones to do this to them, so this must and I'm be. I'm not sure. Well, maybe Alex, you can just do your thing and make sure they don't remember. I mean, I could, but you took more than ten minutes there. You are taking your sweet ass time. Well, we just need to erase the part where you guys openly talk about sunlight and vampires and dying, you know, like the masquerade. Oh, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. What's the worst that could happen? And I turn and leave the VIP room. As he leaves the VIP room, I, t I take the boys in and just do a compel on them. Oh, sorry. No, not compel. Uh, cloud memory. I perform my cloud memory on them so that they forget the mention of us dying from sunlight and the masquerade. Go ahead and click on your disciplines and click on the icon next to cloud memory and the difficulty is going to be two. 
average difficulty. Oh, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't give me the choice. Yeah. Yep. It's. Yeah, it. I fixed, factored it in and built it, so it's oh, okay. automatically applying the correct skill and attribute. So, you succeed, and they get a little fuzzy as you guys slip out of the VIP room and head down the stairs across the dance floor. It's a little less crowded than it was at some point. You exit out the front door and the same Samoan bouncer that was out there, he smiles again and you see his fangs and he says, see you next time. Thank you for your hospitality. Sounds good. Marsh is kind of dancing a little bit with Alex as we're walking out. Camera pans across the city skyline to an aging behemoth of a building that was once an Art Deco beauty, a luxury boardy house for starlets, and a, is this word on Janus and Genius? Basically, Ingenue. time has left the Cicero on Genius. There you go. Time has left the Cicero behind. However, and now it stands as a seven stories. It stands as seven stories of rickety staircases, peeling wallpaper, and stained linoleum, where those down on their luck seek shelter on the cheap. The focus moves to the lobby and the reception area where a clerk watches the front desk. His job is mostly to chase away vagrants, call the cops if the tenants start fighting too loudly. He's doughy, pliable, Watching, more interested in watching some late night rerun on his analog TV than doing his job. Near the reception desks are both an elevator and an old staircase. Tape up, taped up across the elevator is a piece of faded paper that reads some semblance of out of order, the E backwards. But what's, what, what's a few flights of stairs to someone incapable of breaking a sweat? As you approach, the clerk tries hard to ignore you, puts his hand up, like, hang on, I'm watching my TV. Catching a rerun of some ladies, some late 70s sitcom, likely, likely for the 70th time. And he laughs as the credits roll. And he looks towards your party. He looks at March. My God, man, are you sick? Uh, yeah. Somebody gave me some bad beer. Not feeling the. Are greatest. you here to get a room or something yes. else? No, we'll take a room for the I can night. Get whatever you need. Like what, man? Anything you want. And as you guys look, there's a large ring of keys sitting up behind him, and it says "Master Keys." And as he looks back towards your group eyeballing you up and down wondering what is about to happen who are these people do i need to call the cops so at the end of the last scene the blush of life would have faded away so i can give you the opportunity to go ahead and if you'd like to use blush of life again you can go ahead and make a rouse check i would like to use blush of life we just go into the room succeed is there so any one success? 
reason not to attempt a blush of life, I guess is is. I mean, if we're just gonna go sit in a room, uh, but I guess if we're gonna be around people, we'd want to do it. Yeah, and you're a Nosferatu, so. Right. Well, I'm just, I'm just again, on the, in a mechanical sense. Is there any reason not to just always do it at the beginning of every scene? Sometimes you'll just be interacting with vampires. Marsh, you gain a hunger from no, zero to one. So that's the other thing, right? You can gain hunger for attempting it if you fail. That's the thing. Yeah. Yep. Like, I'm actually not going to attempt the blush of life. And I'm going to stay outside of the office and let them handle the uh, interaction for the scene. Okay. And just kind of stay outside, try to stay in the shadowy parts, and just also keep an eye on like the, the courtyard area, the going-ons of the motel, see if anyone's keeping an eye on us, or if these second Inquisition people are actually sort of like tracking us and watching everything we do or not. I'm tr- And I won't bother... Uh, blush of life. Okay. If you're going to keep a lookout, you can roll me an investigation or you can use heightened senses on your investigation as well. So it would be in- intelligence plus investigation. Got it. it does not require a rouse check. Oh, shit. Critical That's success. Five successes? Are some of these successes worth more than one? So you see the two onks there that have the symbols? Yes. Of the stars oh. next to them, you take those and you double them. So the, those would equal four successes because, because it's I a, rolled double. Because you rolled double, that's on a numbered dice, that would be two tens. Okay. Got and it. then one regular success. So oh, that's five. Okay. So you take the two and you double it, and every two can be doubled. So if you get three of those, you would still only get five successes because they have to be paired with another. If you roll two single successes, is that double to four successes? Or As long as they're tens. It's okay. the symbol that causes it to be the double. Got Correct. It. So you can only you only double the double symbols. Pairs. Okay. Yep. Perfect. So I'll take my five successes. And you look around and you see people coming in and out of some of the hotel rooms every few minutes as your party's in there talking with Clerk Ray. People coming in, door opening slightly, handing things back and forth. People walking into the hotel, looking around as if they're making this their home for the time being due to the extremely low hourly and or day rate and probably even cheap, even more cheap weekly rate. And the camera fades back over from Blake peering through this parking lot slash courtyard of the motel back to Ray looking at Marsh. Man, you should go to the doctor or something. You guys aren't here to cause any trouble, are you? No, not at all. What episode were you on? You were watching something? Oh, good times. You know that one when uh, Jimmy says dynamite. Oh, dynamite! Over and over. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Yeah. Anyway, so my name is Alex. Uh, I was hoping if you have any rooms available. Uh, Yeah, you. How many hours you need? Mm, 
I look at Sam. Probably at least through uh, through tomorrow night. Okay, so like it's five. Sun should be up here in an hour or so. So like 50 bucks? Yeah, yeah. What's your, is that the rate? I mean, I could say 60, but nobody's going to come in and take this room right now in the middle of the night except for you guys. It's just one room? I mean, you want multiple rooms? Like, are you guys going to have friends coming over? No. Yeah, sure. That one room should be okay. All right, so 50. I'm sure we can get that lower. You you realize he's willing to sell you anything you want and or anything you need and he's probably oh. sold some of the sold some of these stuff sold some of this contraband to the other occupants of the other motel rooms and being that he seems like he can be relatively pliable cuz I'm trying to get it for free I'm trying like is he an ally <laughs> Alex, Blake, or Sam, you feel you can easily charm Ray, mm. whose dubious morality makes him an easy target. Enhan enhancing the action with awe makes it even easier. Blake could intimidate him into letting them in without calling the police, either through natural or supernatural means, using daunt. Alex or Sam could use the compel power to tell them to give the master keys and let them through or any other order they want. Alex, you can use cloud memory and he just forget that you are here. Marsh, you could sneak past Ray with little difficulty. You can even use your unseen passage to walk right pa past Ray without having to make a roll or, and even steal some of the values valuables from his table like the aforementioned master set of keys as you pass by him. Ray is oblivious enough that even this won't warrant a roll from Marsh. Oh, dang. Hey, you guys, uh, you guys just want me to get us a key and get in here? Yeah, and then, um, in the morning when we check out, I could just make him forget that we were even here in the first Perfect. place. Perfect, let's do that. Hey, Ray. Uh, dude, I know you did No, I don't look all that hot right now, man, but pretty banged up here from my cage fighting days, man. Do you have any uh, oxy you can get me? Yeah, I can have something here relatively quickly. All right, man, give me, I'll take, I'll take a few oxy and, uh, all right. and then I'll do my, uh, my passage and go grab the keys. Okay, Marsh, you can go ahead and click on the unseen passage. Come on, Marsh. Oh, you didn't have to roll because he's you go invisible, but five successes will do it anyways. <laughs> as you're like, okay, he turns around and picks up his this old phone that he has, and he you hear peep poop poop. Yeah, yeah, I got some people here need something that you want uh, to sell. Yeah. Yeah, just come come, bring it down here. All right. And Marsh disappears, walks behind Ray, picks up the keys, 
starts heading up the staircase. Is there anything uh, by the keys that was worthwhile with five successes that I could grab? A gun. His phone is sitting there. He has a newer model smartphone. Yeah. Thinking back what I was told, I just leave it. Yeah, just take the keys and go. All right, you take the keys and the rest of you see the keys disappear with Marsh as he heads up the stairs. He turns around. Oh, we're... Yeah, my contact's going to be here soon so you can tell your friend. I guess he went outside. Yeah, he did. Um, I'm just going to pick up Blake real quick. Uh, Sam, if you can, if you want to follow Marsh. Yeah, I'm going to look Ray in the eyes and say... We're not going to be any trouble. You don't want to bother us. We don't want to bother you. You're going to leave us alone whenever you see us here. I'm going to use Compel. All right. Go ahead and roll Compel. Difficulty two. Actually, it is difficulty three. Three. I'm going no, to. No, four, re-roll. excuse me. Difficulty four. Can you use a hero point? Damn. Four. Or you can use your willpower. Can you use a vampire point? Yeah, I'm going to reroll with willpower. And I Go can ahead and put it. Oh, that's right. You can do that. Up to three. Four is a tough, like a tough sell, man. So close. <laughs> so each one is a willpower? Or it, no, one willpower, three. One willpower up to three dice. Well, either way, I've already rolled two, and I've, I'm not going to succeed. Well, what if you... Yeah, so. I guess so. Should you make a messy critical. It's too hungry. Should have should have fed their Sam. <laughs> He's like... I mean, I get regulars here sometimes. You know, they kind of give me something under the table, and the management doesn't ask me any questions, and I just say, yeah, that room's out of order. But, I mean, I don't know you. I put a hand on Sam's shoulder and then I just whisper, can you pick up Blake real quick? I can handle this one. And I'm just like, I just for a second, just see the pulsing on (laughs) his raised neck pulsing. Yeah. He's standing there and he's got overalls and, you know, ratty, kind of old and has a cigarette and his hair is short cropped and he's somewhat balding. Obviously he's got visible uh, marks from drug usage early in his years. And he's got his clock like, Flavor Flav! <laughs> I'm gonna uh, and go outside and get Blake. Okay. He looks uh, to oh, you. Yeah. Hi! Uh, looks towards Alex. Yeah, I'm sorry, you know, I mean you guys come around here more often, we can you know, tell your friend we can we can work something out. No, that's completely understandable. It's just that, I mean, I'm sure you've had this happen to you, but we were out and a couple of them are drunk. Fortunately, though, I'm not. So what I could say is that, yes, we can definitely make sure that we don't cause you any trouble. As for the $50, he said? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. For the $50, do you need it now or do you want it tomorrow when we check out? You just give it to me. Well, I work the night shift, so I'm going to be gone if you guys check out tomorrow evening. 
Okay. Just came yeah. On. Sure. Like, you want to pay me now? I mean. Yeah, for cool sure. Too. And then I make a. I actually kind of wait until I see Sam and Blake maybe get in first before I do what I want to do. Okay. And you see Sam come in, and Blake, are you? Do we have to come through this office to get to like the uh, the upstairs of the motel? Yeah, there's the elevator, and um, it's an old motel hotel, um, and then the stairwell, rickety stairwell next to the elevator that leads up towards the rooms. But you have to pass through this lobby with the old linoleum floor cracked and brittle in some places. So if that's the case, then I will, you know. And Sam comes out and kind of gives me like a look, and I'll just say, "We good?" See. Marsha got the keys, so I kind of pull my collar of my sport coat up a little bit and then uh, follow Sam back through the lobby. I look at his pale skin and just kind of raise an eyebrow. Alright. Yeah. And I think as we like, you know, move our way across this room, I just kind of if Ray tries to catch my eye at all, I'm just going to, like, stare him down and, like, dare him to say something. He's going to roll his dice to see if he notices you. Roll that dice. Ray is no problem. Roll him, roll him, roll him, roll him. Ooh, private. Three successes against your... Um, let's do... Dexterity plus stealth. Oh, so I make an active roll with dexterity plus stealth? Yes. Okay. Against his three Even if successes. I'm not trying to hide it, per se. It's fine. Do I set the difficulty at three, then? Yes. Fail. He's like... He looks to you and says... Yeah, I mean, you know, you could pay me now. And he's looking, obviously eyeballing Blake, Blake as Blake moves through. Like he's getting super nervous. But trying to play it off. Do I notice that he's getting nervous? Yes. Well, Ray, if they do cause you any trouble here's my contact i actually give him one of my cards that i realized while i was in the bar that i still had in my pocket you can definitely contact me there and then and then i make a show out of like just rummaging through my pocket and then as i pull something out i would as i look up i would meet his gaze and do cloud memory so that he forgets the last 10 minutes come on alex Let's go. Dangerous Difficulty is four. That would be four. Ooh. <laughs> successes. As Alex says this, wow. and you, the two of you, move past him towards the stairs. He he blinks, and then turns back around, changes the channel, and puts his feet up, and starts watching some old seventies rerun. And then I grab my business card because like it was just in my hand like I crumple it and then just go to and follow the boys and you guys make your way up the stairs you meet March March at the top there he's got a handful of keys and seven stories of hotel rooms 
penthouse. You think this place has a penthouse? I don't know. I'm sure they have a suite in here somewhere. Well, I got plenty of keys, so you pick the room and we'll, uh, we'll see if we can find the key. I guess to... we try the penthouse first. Yeah, this not just to, to see. damper on things, but uh, sun's going to be up in less than an hour. So yeah, uh, Come on, Alex. Go take us to the penthouse. I'll uh, find the room number. I've got all these keys have room numbers on them. So I mean, we can go to the elevator. Marsh, you've, you've, um, you were a f- really famous, successful MMA fighter. You know that the penthouse is upstairs. Yeah, so let's a, just go up the elevator. Kind of a rundown place, but floor. yeah, I mean, they could have one up there. So let's go. Let's yeah, go check like it out. Yeah, like a suite or something. Yeah. If not, we'll just go. We'll just head into the closest room because, like, is right. Oh. The sun is about to rise. Let's do it. So, it's time. We get in the elevator, go up to the top top floor, see if we can find a penthouse or something. Isn't it out of order? The camera pans across the group as they stand in front of the elevator, hitting the button, and it doesn't light up or anything. It just goes. Uh, fuck. And you, and then it pans back to Clerk Ray sitting there with his feet up on the desk, watching this 70s show, laughing to himself. Glances over, and you see out of order misspelled on the tapes to the front of the elevator. All right, guys, let's go. I'm gonna huff it up these stairs. The E's backwards. Cute. Oh, I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, I think don't think Ray's uh, all that bright. All right, so let's go ahead up the stairs. Mm-hmm. Head up the spiral stairs, up, 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 up. You make it to the what you assume is the penthouse, and you flip through your keys and find one that opens the door. And before what? we open it, mm-hmm. I'm gonna knock. Room service. Don't forget to check for traps. <laughs> penthouse is it's a door. You guys are dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> you knock, and there's no answer. You you notice that the the top here hasn't been cleaned in some time. There's a little bit of dust on uh, the, the the carpet, and you knock, and there's no apparent answer. March flips through the keys, opens the door, and believe it or not, it occupies half this motel hotel. Large panes of dirty glass on every edge. You can see across the industrial warehouses of the city, the rusted tin roofs that cover each of these warehouses. You look around and you remember what Marcus said, where in order to avoid the sun, it needs to be nearly pitch black. You're not sure if this is going to facilitate. You might be able to pile into the bathroom. No Vegas blackout curtains here. Damn. Well, I don't think this is going to work. Yeah. Nice as this is, I love the view. Um, spacious, but yeah, if we have to all go hide in the back to stay in the dark, this, uh, yeah, this ain't going to work. I'll pop my head into the bathroom and just flip on the light switch to see if there's like a four person jacuzzi tub in the bathroom. You go into the bathroom and these. Walls are, too, replaced by windows as if it was some fancy high-rise in Vegas at one point and you could sit in the bathtub and stare out across the city, albeit in the industrial part of the of this uh, west side. 
man, is this like for voyage <laughs> voyeurism? People that want to watch him take baths? All right, let's, uh, what do you guys think? Uh, what would be a good floor? Is there, is there somewhere that we could see this building where it'd be closer to like an alley rather than looking out to the front? Like which side yeah. of the building, which rooms would be more heading, looking towards that alley? What is your purpose? Just curious, so I can line it up mechanically. Just so that well, you said this room is facing out towards the city, right? Yes. I want to find a, which side <laughs> of the building would be facing towards other, like into an alleyway, right, where it's not open towards the city. Are like, you looking to stay on the penthouse, or looking just to go to an interior room somewhere with? No, 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 uh, just another room inside the building. Like which side? Preferably on the west side, hopefully towards mm-hmm. an alley. But yeah, you can find another room. Yeah, that's what I'm need. trying to find. Okay. So, just so we're clear, you guys aren't staying in the penthouse because no, in the out. sun. And you head back down into some. You head back down to some of the rooms here, and now that you've satisfied your need for new blood. You become aware of that sensation of the beast. In your beast sensing the approaching sunrise. And you feel a creepy languidness. First signs of the deep slumber that you sense will fall upon you soon. You must find a safe place to spend the day. Where the sun, even a glimpse of it, cannot find you. And the old flip phone that Marcus gave you buzzes. Bzzz. A little sultry oh, voice you did. echoes Hello. through this ancient flip phone. Hi, this is Jacqueline, Marcus's friend. Well, Marcus's friends call me Jackie. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? Hi, Jackie. Uh, my name is Alex. Hi, Alex. It's getting pretty early in the day, and I think you might need a place to stay. I can offer you a quiet day's sleep, if you'd like. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. How far are you? Do you know where we are? I was just going to ask you, where you, where are you? And my driver will swing by and pick you guys up. I relayed the message to the group. Uh, we're being offered a place to stay at. By Jackie, Marcus's friend. Are you guys okay with that? I put mute on my old phone. <laughs> <laughs> Do we trust over. this? <laughs> right? We yeah. have a choice. I mean, I don't know if I, any of these rooms are really going to cut it. I don't think they had a basement either. There's got to be. I know. Like, I agree. Marcus dropped us off and said, see you tomorrow. And now Jackie's calling and saying, hey, Marcus told me to reach out and see if you need accommodations. You know, a part of me feels that, because Marcus, hang on a second. We can talk about this while we wait for her. So yes, <laughs> yes on the ride, right? Yeah, if, either way, we might be able to get more answers, whether they betray us or not. So. All right. Hey, Jackie. Sorry to keep you waiting. Yes, uh, we are at this hotel. And then I give her the address. Cicero. The Cicero. We're at the Cicero. 
Oh, you guys went to the the rave, did you? We did. It was really fun. Good. Glad you had a good time. I'll see you guys in a little bit. I'm around the uh, corner. Okay. Do you have a time frame so that we can... Well, I mean, <laughs> well within the hour, she smiles and laughs. You can hear... All right, we'll, we'll run down. You head back down. Ray sitting there, asleep now, feet still up in the position he, you left him as he was watching his reruns of a late 70s show as you make your way across the crack linoleum out into the street. We stop as we what? move through the, the lobby and I'll just eye the, the elevator with the out of order sign, right? And I'll just say, you know, there's probably not a lot of sun in the elevator. Well, it's, it's too late. We've already, we've already given our position. So, yeah, but we should have a backup plan. Cause what if we're sitting out here and they don't freaking come, and we're just standing right. out there and the sun comes up? So we better have a backup place. Plan is the elevator. Okay, so that elevator will be our our go to if. Yeah, and I'll leave. Uh, Marshall leave the the keys on his desk really quietly as we walk out. Okay, are you going to? Do your use your discipline to do that? Yes. Okay. You don't have to roll. You put it back on the the key ring on on the hook behind the desk. You head out across. You head out across the lobby, across the cracked linoleum, out into the cracked sidewalk. A few moments later, a posh black limousine driven by a handsome man, complete with chauffeur hat, pulls up and parks the car. He runs to your side, heading towards the rear door and says, Miss Jacqueline is in the back. It's getting late, so we should be quick. And he opens the door and motions for you to enter. I head in first. From where I'm standing, can I get a look at the driver? Is it someone I've seen before? anyone I recognize my fear here is that this is like one of the people I would have seen wielding weapons and shooting guns and staking me through the heart right I'm really paranoid about that right now so I'm trying to see if this is somebody I saw particularly around that situation a wits plus awareness okay so let's see wits plus awareness I like that awareness is a is an actual thing, huh? Uh, wits plus awareness. Is there a difficulty for this? Difficulty is two. Uh, that's three successes. Three successes. Doesn't You don't recognize him, but he smells... There's a certain smell about him. It almost feels familiar. So, I'll just, like, kind of, like, touch Sam on the shoulder because I know he's kind of got this sort of paranoid mentality, a little bit like me. And I'll just say, like, just eyes open, right? My eyes are always open. I was about to say the same to you. This driver, I I smelled him somewhere before. I just don't know where. And I think what I'll do now is I'll reach into the inner jacket pocket and pull out my tape recorder I have and just click the record button and slip it right back into my pocket. Just in case anything juicy happens in the room. Right. As Alex heads through, 
you see Blake reach in and click his recorder and I assume head in and after with maybe Marsh bringing up the rear or Sam bringing up the rear if he's keeping a lookout. Last. A woman of late to middle years wearing a fine designer dress, her red hair styled close to her head, takes you in with a glance. Her smile is hard, but knowing. Well, we need to be there quick. I'll take where you can get some shut-eye. But on the way, maybe I can answer some of your questions. Why hey are now. you being so nice to us, you, Marcus, so far? Well, this is... Marcus, Marcus runs this town. And normally you'd rely on your sire, but he tells me that... You have no sire, and he kind of has taken you under your wing, or under his wing, at least for the first couple of days to make sure you get your bearings about you. Does he typically do this? Adopt orphan kindreds without sires? He's got a kind of a heart for that, I would say, and she chuckles at her joke. Hope you don't mind. It's just I don't think anyone's really been this hospitable to any of us, so there's a little bit of mistrust in here. Although I really appreciate it, we really appreciate yeah. it. Uh, how many? Like, is it pretty normal to have orphan vampires? Like, not usually. Typically, these kind of things are planned. But he says you don't know your sire. You're not really sure. You only have hints of your memory. He said he's going to come to the Red Star tomorrow and, well, at least to give you a place to hole up for the day. Much appreciated. You see, as far as mortals can tell, we're dead during the day. Corpses, she laughs. Waking up, it is extremely difficult. We can only do it for a few minutes during the day, and then only if the situation is truly dire. Take good care, or you wake up the next night in a body bag, or at the morgue, if you wake up at all. We have to sleep in a coffin? <laughs> no, just a place where the sun won't get to you, even through curtains. As a coffin would be good for that. Yeah, it's starting to make sense now. Effective. A morgue, actually. The freezers. You'll have to find a safe place to stay for the long term, but somewhere no one knows about. You know, only feeding is more important than a safe place to rest each day. But just barely. Hmm. Remember, we can't handle sunlight. Even indirect sunlight hurts us. And it drives your beast crazy. Wherever you sleep, it's got to be perfectly lightproof. Car trunks, hotel bathrooms, if you absolutely must, there's always the risk of housekeeping coming in unannounced and opening the windows. Then, if that happens, you're toast. Literally. What about moonlight? Is that like a werewolf thing drives the beast inside of us? 
she blinks and gets a pretty hard look that says, well, we typically don't mingle with were creatures, but that's not something we really have to worry about. Maybe be be on a little bit heightened alert because those those infected go pretty crazy. Oh shit, werewolves are real? I know. Werewolves? Witches? Warlocks? Of course. I was thinking more of like you said any bit of sunlight is like fatal, and yet the moon is sunlight, right? Sunlight. So, like, will we get like a moon burn if we go out at night? Obviously not. Huh? It's too indirect, maybe. Must be. Well, we gotta definitely maybe teach us some like good places we could. Create a yeah. long-term Like, where are you taking place. us now, for instance? Right? Taking you to the Red Star. Marcus said he was going to meet you there, and, well, me and my friend are going to hold up there for the evening. It's a local hangout for some of us. Set it, we set it up as a temporary shelter. Uh, you can stay there, at least for the coming day, and I'll get a hold of Marcus, and we'll kind of go from there. Said I, uh, I was under the impression that Marcus said not to come to the Red Star until tomorrow. Is that what he told you? Or he said he's going to be there tomorrow and you should come by. Sorry, Sam. No, I was just wondering um, what happens when a lick doesn't feed? Well, eventually he grows hungry enough and well, there comes a point in time where he just can't control the beast. And whatever happens when the beast is in control, kind of, well, you can imagine if your, or any of your beasts overtake you, yourselves, you lose all your hum humanity, your thought. The only thing you can think about is sating that hunger. And, well, you can imagine. Yeah, I I don't have to manage imagine it happened to me. I know exactly what you're talking about. So you're quickly on your way to becoming a a monster, are you? Hope not. Continue keeping control of yourself. These urges will be ever present. If you can't control them. Well, a hunt might be called upon you, depending on how egregious, foul any of your misdeeds might be. And then it's open season. And somebody like you won't last long. Hope not. I was able to feed again and stay in complete control. So I hope uh, the hunt. Hope I'm learning. It's the hunt. See, there's certain rules across all kindred society where you follow the rules to a certain extent. Nothing like the Camarilla rules. There's really strict and rigid, but us Anarchs have some rules to go by and you violate the masquerade or you diablerize another kindred or your beast takes over and you 
run rampant and before we know it that second condition is on us but not only that is other kindred will be able to take you out without any repercussions remember Marcus told us that when old Blake there was talking about possibly uh, killing me I know that's what you were insinuating Blake when you asked that question sorry one more question and uh, Marsh I Hope you don't take offense, but you did kill my cousin, so I'd say this was a pass. Um, the fuck happened to you, man? Did you all... You look like that recently? Or did that happen after the cha- after you changed? Uh, man, I, I, I definitely had a pretty rough life after my cage fighting. Um, kind of become muscle for some uh, not too good people. So, you know, I'm in pretty banged up and stuff, but uh, no, I, I think this uh, whatever turned me has uh, made me look a lot worse. How come that didn't happen to the rest of us? Well, can you answer that, Jackie? you have any idea why? You see, your sire had to have been a Nosferatu. They're known for, well... They're almost like hideous sewer rats. They hide their disfigured forms in the darkness. And they're all about gathering secrets. They're strong. They pose, possess powers that let them skulk around in those sewers or above sewers and very strong. Looks around and says, you see there's nine well, really, what looks like seven true clans. You have some of the other ones kind of outside our scope, uh, back in Italy, La Sombra, etc. But at least out here in LA, you have the typical seven clans the Bruja, the Gangrel, Malkavian, nods towards Marsh and says, Nosferatu and smiles towards Blake and says the beautiful Toreadors or the blood sorcery witches and warlocks, the Tremere those people in typical power many of the Camarilla are Ventru and she looks towards Alex and looks at her clothing but uh, Nosferatu are when they're turned, they get this disease, not only the the vampirism, it's this this disease that eats eats their flesh, disfigures them, they lose their hair, all their teeth grow pointed. They get this flaking skin. But believe me, don't cross an Asferatu. They're cunning. They're strong, and you'll never see them coming. Hmm. So we... Is there any way to know? I mean, we don't know our sires, so how do we know what clan we are? You gain certain traits, certain abilities. Nosferatu are strong, potent fighters. 
but they can also disappear in the night using their obfuscation. And due to the animal animalism in their blood, they end up looking deformed. Bruja, biker gangs, those kind of people, they're fast, but they are also strong. And they have a presence about them that makes you, well, makes mortals almost be in awe of them. The gangrel, they're like feral out, outlanders. They blend with kindred and the beast. They take on animal forms and they grow claws when they fight and their snouts elongate almost like you describe werewolves, except for they're not werewolves. They have kindred blood in them. And they are resistant to certain types of weapons. They have a very strong fortitude. And then they can also adopt animal shapes and, and animal likenesses and growing long teeth and fangs and talons. And we call that the protean discipline. You mentioned something about the Camarilla. Uh, yeah, a bunch of fascists. Fascists? Well, at least that's what us in the Anarch call them. And as you're having this conversation, the driver lowers the separating window between you and him, and he looks back, relatively matter-of-factly. Uh, Miss Jacqueline, a, a white van is following us. I'll try to evade it, but they're they're faster. And each of you turn back and you can see a white van in the street behind you. It's definitely the same one that was chasing you earlier. Mm. And despite and despite the driver's best efforts to lose them, Luma just can't maneuver quickly enough. And the white van is gaining upon you. Jackie, she looks at you impatiently. And she says, don't be shy. I see some of you have guns. Now's the time to use them. And she presses a button in the console next to her. And the moonroof slides back. And the windows start to go down. Pew, pew. Jackie, uh, right. how much time we got on this sun timer thing? We'll be there. We'll be there in plenty of time. We just got to get these guys off our off our tails. Hey, Google, when is sunrise? <laughs> <laughs> Sam doesn't even ask any questions or do anything. He immediately takes the, the pistol, ejects the magazine, checks the slide, inserts the magazine again, racks a bullet, pops out of the sunroof. All right. Go ahead and make a composure plus firearms roll to take Ooh, aim cool. at the white van. Right. Difficulty so. is going to be three. Plus firearms. Two successes. I'm going to use another willpower. Okay. Put a half slash in your willpower slot. Yep. We roll three. Okay. You can go so for Mernie. Three successes. Three successes. As you stand up, you pull the Sig P365 to bear. You fire. The, the driver dodges a little bit and 
you see the front left headlight explode. The car, the van swerves a bit and then is back on your tail, again gaining ground. Would anybody else like to use their firearms? I think at this point, like, Sam, you end up out of the moon roof, right? So you are you go up Comic Cool, you popped your clip out, you know, you popped the magazine out, you, lo- you like, did it professional, right? Blake does not look this this comfortable or this composed. Um, but I'll, I'll, like, I got this gun awkwardly in my waistband, but I'm sitting in a car so I can't get it out. So I'm, like, scooching down and trying to pull the gun out and get the gun up. And just, like, look at Alex and Marsh and be like, I guess this is our life now. And I lean out the side window, right, because they roll down the window. Mm -hmm. I'll lean out one of those things. And I've seen my fair share of action movies. (laughs) So I'm going to just, because I feel like I'm living in an action movie, I'm going to do what they would have done in an action movie. And I'm going to aim for the tire of the car behind me. All right, go ahead and roll a composure plus firearms. Difficulty is going to be four. Because I'm aiming for something specific. Come on. That's one success. One success. I will spend a willpower to roll three. Is that fine? A ten. Oh, so if I can actually roll another ten, then that's good, right? Yeah, that'll be yeah, four. That is four okay. successes. So I'll spend a willpower, my second one. Okay. And I can re-roll uh, three, right? Up to three. Yep. yep. So I'll roll three. One of those things. Ooh. Two. The only thing that's going to save me here is a ten. Yep. And another one, it'll be five. No. Ah, get okay. one of those. So that's As you lean out, you fire, you see the sparks go from the asphalt as the driver pulls to the right. A bit, and your your bullet lands on the asphalt and ricochets away. Sam, is it working? Gonna fire again. All right, difficulty three. Come on, Sam. Exposure plus firearms. That's six successes. Ooh, Ooh nice. As, Double as he reaches over, he reaches up. He checks the slide again. He concentrates and he remembers, you know, all the experiences he had, all his training. And he pauses and he waits and he breathes. And he realizes he doesn't have to wait for his heartbeat to go to take the shot. He just stops breathing. Fires and you see the blood spray from the driver's side of the window as the van veers off and crashes into the wall. Probably do a double tap center mess. As you guys continue through the early morning. Nice shot. Nice shooting, Sam. Yeah. I wish I could say it was my first time. You make your way through the city streets. This industrial area. Butting up against the freeway overpass. The Red Star is a dingy two-story bar. It's the kind of place where drinks are unpretentious. Mostly beer and bourbon. Fanciest cocktail one can order here is a Jack and Coke. A no-nonsense brunette wearing jean skirt with a leather vest introduces herself 
I'm Sage. Bruja. Fellow kindred. Come with me. And I can show you to our room. Just lead you to the bars downstairs, windowless storeroom. Where threadbare sheets cover thin hospital mattresses. Sage points at the mattresses on the floor of the storeroom. You are already feeling semi-comatose at this stage. You just want to lie down. As does Sage. The actions of the night have passed and start to sink in. Alex, how does, how does that make you feel? What do you think about? No, oh, yeah. So during the car chase earlier, I was thinking about the lie that I've been telling everyone about how it was my choice to be here. While granted that it's a half truth, I'm remembering the actual reason why. And as shitty as the embrace was, I'm actually kind of happy that I did make that choice. Um, I, I still won't admit it to anyone why, like, why I really or how I found myself in this position. However, she's not going to change any where and then on and then she'll try to remember how she controlled herself while she was feeding off the her lady friend earlier and make sure that she puts it into memory that way when she does feed one more time like it's just going to be muscle memory to her and she does she wouldn't need that much concentration and focus anymore she also worries about sam as she Glances back over towards Sam. Sam. You see Alex looking upon you and you're the only one not to sate your hunger. Not yet, at least. You think about your friend that you met at the bar, kind of down on her luck. Older lady going to these young people parties and you think about all your time spent in these ancient halls where books are really made of scrolls. What does this night mean to you? Sam, this whole night, has been trying to hold on to some semblance of humanity still. Refusing to feed at first. Especially with that first experience of seeing a feeding. Was what would happen with Parker. But thinking about the rest of the night, he's seen his friends, and he does not consider them friends. See, feed successfully, some a, a little, some a little more cruelly than others. But um, and then he thinks about the car ride over here, and how no matter what he did, he still had to kill to survive, just like Iraq. Thing about a situation that no matter what he chooses, blood always seems to find him. So maybe it's just better to give into it. Thinking of that, he looks over to Marsh. Marsh, as strong as he's ever been, as a mortal, is even stronger now as an Osferatu. But you're not sure you can really control his animal. 
instincts that you have, but learning from Alex and understanding your training and discipline. You feel you can at least control it going forward. But looking back, what does this night mean to you? And an interesting night, uh, you know, learning what kind of kindred I am was interesting. It's exciting to know how strong I am and, you know, some of the things that I've done tonight, being able to hide in the shadows and people can't see me um, passing without a trace. Um, but wondering why of all kindred, why a sewer rat type, you know, animal. Love the fact of the strength, um, but I'm just sitting there like, fuck, I'm hideous. I'm, I'm gonna continue to get uglier and a little disappointed, a little sad on that, but at the same time, kind of mixed emotions excited about the things that I can do and how strong I am. Wish I could go and go do some MMA fighting right now with the strength I have. Yeah, and you feel you long for the cage. Maybe it's more for the camaraderie of those people you, the opponents you've had and the people you train with. But you think about how maybe the crowd would react to what you've become now, the hideousness and you look across and you see Blake's smooth skin, perfect smile, face for TV, but with a really weird sense of how he goes about things. And Blake, you've been down on your luck for several years at least. Had your big break several years ago. Many, many years ago, came out from the Midwest, the next up and coming big sportscaster. Mm-hmm. You have your own show on the local radio stations, syndicated on cable, your own podcast. And here you are, getting ready to go to sleep under some hospital sheets and what look no more than old couch mattresses. What, is, what does tonight mean to Blake? Right, like I'm, I'm, I'm staring at these stains on these mattresses, hoping that it's blood, and thinking it's probably, probably something else. And I'll be honest, this isn't where Blake thought he was going to end up after such an exciting night. You know, we had it. It was thirty minutes ago. We were in the penthouse of some high rise and this well a seven floor motel and uh this is stinging a little bit on the on the the ego and you know he thinks back to the first time he came out from the midwest and he sat on the beach in santa monica right by the pier and he watched the sunrise it was the first time he'd ever seen that sort of scene right like the sand, the warmth, even in the middle of the night, the warmth that the sand held and the sounds of the waves crashing and it was very rhythmic and when that sun hit his skin, he just remembered 
telling himself, you're going to make it, kid. This city is yours. And it's been entirely downhill since then. And in this moment, all he wants more than anything is to go back to that spot and sit on that same beach and feel the sun on his skin. And he knows he can't ever do that again. And looking down at the stained mattress, I'm sleeping on the floor underneath this bar, kind of looking around at trying to see if anyone else is as disgusted by this as he is. He's starting to sort of internally question whether these anarchs really live the lifestyle that he thought he was going to live. And I think he starts letting his mind wander a bit about this other clan he's heard mentioned, the Camarilla. And starts wondering if maybe there's another way. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think there's any time to really do this because you keep saying how like we have this weight on our shoulder almost, right? Yeah, so I think I don't have a choice. I just lay on this mattress and let the sleep take me. As you barely have time to get comfortable before the dawn overtakes you and you surrender to your daytime sleep. No dreams, no visions, no memories. It seems to go by in an instant and your eyes pop open at sundown, alert, ready to go. You feel the hunger, your endless companion, and you briefly reminisce about the events from last night. Sage helps you to your feet and directs you upstairs. You can feel the cold of her hands. Let's go. You wander upstairs. And, um, and while you do, as we wake up every day or every night, everybody go ahead and make a rouse check for me. Let's go. Success for my like Zero for Marsh. Oh, man. Zero, Zero for, for Blake. Blake. I'm going to be going in a frenzy. There we are. None of none of them rested last night. Damn it. Marsh, Blake, and Sam get a little bit hungrier. Okay. Now at three. Yeah. Yep. You head up the stairs from the storeroom. You see the bartender there. Jackie's sitting there. Sage sits next to her. Bartender's mortal. You struggle with your desires to sate your hunger. And you wonder if he's into the whole deal. That same scent that you had on the driver, you can smell on this bartender, Blake. Jackie tells you, I haven't heard from Marcus. And a bit of a worried look is upon her face as if she intended to hear from him at this time or at least have a message from him. She checks her flip phone and steps away from the budding coterie, leaving you a sage. 
Sage looks at the bartender. Make sure you ask him if you need anything. He's a ghoul. Gets a hit of vampire blood once a month. Makes him loyal. Makes him your friend. Makes him stronger. Always good to have somebody looking out for you and your daytime needs. Isn't that right, Chad? Chad just nods in affirmative. Setting up the bar for whatever this evening's entertainment is supposed to be. Sage leans in and says, I know you're new licks, but I, I don't know what you've heard from Jackie. You guys should definitely join the Anarch movement. But I'm not going to force you or anything. It's up to you. Hey, can you talk about that a little bit more? Like, there's the Camarilla and you. Are there only two factions here or what? Yeah, it's the Camarilla and the Anarchs. You you see, the, the Anarch movement is freedom from fascists, capitalists, and other assholes. Elders try to hoard all the resources, keep all the blood to themselves, and push us younger licks under the bus and into the hands of the Inquisitors. <laughs> Not on my watch. Not while one single of us Anarchs can bear our fangs at them and she slams the bar. So you're saying with the Camarilla, the blood doesn't kind of trickle down? <laughs> There's no <laughs> trickle down lower, blood uh, theory or nothing like that. Nothing? Hmm. Yep. They just yeah, keep it all for themselves. It's a big myth. Yeah. Interesting. They walk around in their designer suits, them a-holes. I like just it. all the rules. <laughs> Me too. Sam's having a hard time focusing <laughs> on what she's saying. And uh, keeps there, eyeing the bartender. Is there an ongoing feud right now between the Camarillas and the Anarchs? Or is it just estrangement on both sides? Well... You typically don't find Camarillas occupying Anarchs territory, nor will you find Anarchs in any Camarilla territory. There is an ongoing feud, and depending how bad it gets, like it did in London, I mean, it's, you know, we threw them bastards. We overthrew them bastards and kicked them out of the city, and, well, a lot of those bastards died there, too. F Hang on guys. a second. Are you talking about that? What's that movie? The Remember, Remember, the 5th of November. Are you talking about that event? You're talking about V for Vendetta? Yeah, V for Vendetta when, like, was it Anarchs that bombed the parliament? I mean, if you're in history, maybe. But. Oh, interesting. Wait, wait. So you guys have your own territory and... They have a separate territory, so... What is your territory? I mean, everything here on the west side. So like From the all, shitty places... Like Melrose. To the nice places. Like all yep. the bars and the rundown dive holes and... And, you know, the back alleys and... All that glorious territory. Oh, they got Mount. If you got West Side and you got, you got Malibu. Do you have uh, Beverly Hills? I mean, that all the way to the beach. Yeah. Oh so. wow. 
It's Marcus's territory. He owns all of the west side. Sorry, well, Sam. He doesn't he doesn't own it, but in theory, I guess Sorry. he does own it. He's the the landlord, the vamp daddy, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> So then what's the flip side of that? Where do the Camarilla control? Like downtown? They control downtown, the financial district. Some of the hotels by the Staples Center, but or I guess it would be the Crypto Center now. But it's, you know, I'm not going to force you to choose, but you're going to have to choose one way or another, or you can just try to go it on your own, which, let me tell you, hard to get resources and hard to, well, the most important resource is going to get food and Camry have all these roles and you have to prove yourself before you can join them. So what, what rules rules when you can feed, where you can feed, who you can feed from, where you can go, where you can't go, who you can talk to, who you can talk to. Hmm. Sounds pretty fascist. Let me ask you though, Sage, do they sleep on stained basement mattresses? Oh, someone does. This is just, like a temporary holdover. It was nearby, which is, I guess, why Jackie brought you here. I mean, you should see Jackie's place. She has one of those manors up on the hills, um, just on the north side of Beverly. It's it's beautiful. But don't tell her I said that, because she's kind of private. Where do you normally stay, Sage? Well, I mean, I run this place, so I usually stay here. People drop in, you know, try to try to convince them that the way to go is the Anarch way, you know. Let me tell you, it's being free is much better than being under the thumb of the Camarilla. So you say being free, but then to ha- to join you to be able to use the resources. So if we didn't join you and didn't join the Camarilla, are we able to, let's say, go to that club we went to last night if we weren't part of your movement? I mean, you're not part of the movement now, so I don't see why not. But, you know, just know people on the Camarilla aren't like Marcus. It's been pretty helpful. Yeah, he helped me too. You know, growing up, my abuela always said something that every person that you meet wants to be friends with you because they have a use for you. I'm just trying to figure out what his use of us is. I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's just people use each other all the time. What does he get from us? He takes the approach of help you, help me. He's kind of a big shot around here and on the Anarchs. And well, maybe you'll come to our side. You'll, you won't ever get treated by anybody like Marcus in the Camarilla. They'll make you prove whatever they have, and he's given whatever he's given to you freely out of his own goodwill, just so you can consider becoming part of the Anarch movement. Do you be able to help find our sires? I'm not sure if he knows. I mean, he can probably get the word out, but I can ask him. I'll have Jackie ask him. Those two are like two peas in a pod. How important, how important is it for new licks to know their sires? Could we live without them? Yeah, I mean, 
I didn't know my siren. Marcus took me in when I was just like you, a couple days into my unlife. Didn't know much. Unlife. Brought me here. You know, kind of been here ever since, but didn't have to worry about much. Didn't have to go on my own feeding schedule with, you know, the low lifes. Could feed on anybody I wanted. You're mentioning feeding, and I keep looking over towards the bartender. <laughs> I get, I get the idea of these ghouls. You know, you need somebody to watch your back when you can't do it for yourself. But I mean, that's a lot of trust you place in someone, ain't it? Well, they get a hit of the blood. Com- it compels them. One of the things it does is it makes them stronger. It makes them loyal. They can't actively go after you. They're under your spell. Kind of like my boyfriend when we were like back in high school, he'd do anything for me, you can imagine. It's under my spell. Very similar. Except for I don't have to hear him whine. And eat off ghouls? Not usually. They kind of feed off off us. Right. Well, they don't really feed off us. They just get a little bit of a hit and it kind of holds sway over them for about a month or so. And every month, wow. you know, we reinforce it. And depending on your your needs, you can have several goals that take care of you. Depending on how powerful you get, you can control more. Marcus has got a whole bunch of them. I wish I didn't get hungry for like a month. I only had to feed once a month. I, 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 I'm I don't know why, but I'm getting hungry. Is uh, got anything here for uh, breakfast? Anyone? Like, I mean, nobody's here right now. But where do you normally uh, go feed at? Like, what? Like, teach us, right? This is new. Um, I mean, we got some blood bags that we picked up at the blood bank. That, well, Chad picked it up for us. That probably holds you over until you get out of the town, if that's something you you want to do. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely try a bag of see how it does. I mean, we're anarchs, right? We can just do whatever we want, whenever we want, to whoever we want, and it's all good. Well, not to whoever, right? You don't kill other kindred. Yeah, remember obviously. the hunt. The hunt. You right. Obey the masquerade. Otherwise, the Inquisition will be on your tail before you know it. Right. Yet they've been on our tail since we've got turned. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, let's, to be fair, it's only when we're hanging around these Anarchs. True. Or in a limo. I feel like the Anarchs are the ones being tailed, not us. Good point. Well, we did find ourselves... In a free meat freezer. Let's not forget that. Right. Too. Sage, does Marcus have a meat freezer sort of side business? I mean, I'm sure there's a meat freezer in his territory somewhere, but he never, Jackie never talked about having a meat freezer. Just, just curious. As the conversation with Sage winds down Jackie returns 
She says nothing of Marcus, but tells you, I have some important information, Alex. Your sire is alive and wants to meet you. How, how did you know? I mean, we have ways of contacting and somebody got a hold of me and, well. Are they here now? They're waiting for you. Well, they're waiting for you at the Armitage Hotel. Where's that at? Well, I've arranged a meeting for you. Problem is, the Armitage Hotel is one of the very few Camarilla Bastions in town. You hear Sage scoff and snort kind of under her breath. And Jackie says, Sage and the Anarchs have pretty strong opinions about the Camarilla. And Sage exclaims, fucking fascist assholes, I hate them so much. It's just, I mean, you're mortal. Why spend it being a dick forever to everybody? Jackie goes on to say, Camarilla, your political faction that would rather have nothing to do with us. They've circled their wagons against the Second Inquisition and they dabble very little in our affairs. Frankly, I prefer it that way too. They have a million roles about population control upholding the secrets of our existence. She glances back to Alex and says, your sire's promised safe passage. And though kindred can be duplicitous liars, Armitage is considered safe ground, a temporary Elysium, if you will. It's where many of the Camarilla vampires hunt and feed and, not risk, and they would not risk violence there. And Jackie wonders audibly, your sire being in a venue known to be frequented by the Camry is news to me. It must be a, an extremely recent development. Sage says, I mean, I can monitor you from afar and swoop in if you encounter trouble, if you guys want to go. But knowing who your sire is, is, well, probably one of the most important things your Malik can know. I mean, I'd really like to know. Jackie says, I just know them in passing. I'm surprised that they appear to be a Camarilla sympathizer now. That's where we'll go ahead and end tonight's session. Ooh. I'm so nervous. <laughs> Alex, you're royalty. So hungry. Alex. 